Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. You're here with Ryan, Lenny. We've pre-talked so long, I'm now drunk and I'm missing Japan. And John. I like money. Just what? I mean, what is money? Who needs that? Just get rid of it. Just Who needs it? it? Who needs I it? I don't even like. I don't even like money. Yeah. Today we're uh, talking about gauges, which are uh, useless until they're not. Apparently, we'll dive into that a call too early box 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 and uh, what i wish i was driving in which a john decides to pick a car that is faster than you whatever that means so let's get into it let's talk about f1 and monaco uh man what a phenomenal race um from the from the beginning it was look i i would i would like to say this for anybody that doesn't watch racing anytime there's any potential for rain it's automatically a better race, in my opinion. One exception to that. Spa. And that is, yeah, yeah. Where they didn't race. I got you. Um, I got you. Uh, yeah, I agree. But Which if, I immediately got PTSD from. Right. Seeing the beginning of Monaco. Yeah, unfold. for sure. I think that I would agree that, like, had they raced in Spa, like, legit, rain almost always makes it better. And... I was watching the the rain coming down, and I agree, PTSD, because it was just, like, completely overflowing the streets for a while there. <laughs> there was a shot of, like, the last turn on Monaco <laughs> on the course, and it was just, oh, river. River. And I think there's a meme out there, and it was <laughs> it was retweeted by Valtteri of him, of, like, his now famous shot of his butt, him lying yes. down in the river. Yes. And it was now him superimposed into the river of monaco it's great such a great meme and um yeah so yeah i mean it started off with rain um and proceeded pretty normal uh for a while there but then what makes rain races interesting is that you've got to eventually figure out when to switch from the wets tires or the intermediate tires and go either to an intermediate or a slick uh, to maximize your delta or your time around the lap and that's where it kind of went haywire for Ferrari, Charles Leclerc. I, I loved it. It was awesome. I'm pro. The fact that there was, I don't think there was any real racing mistakes by anybody. And there was actually a couple overtakes, but them messing up on that call, I think kind of cemented the race from there because Monaco is always usually just a parade thing. Well, well, here's the thing. Carlos Sykes kind of called the wet to slick tire transition like way back. Like lap six. Yeah, he was always saying Like that. lap six. Yeah. Way early. Right. And so like – and and his his chief engineer, he, you know, accepted that way early, and that's who, that was his strategy. And it worked yeah. out for him yep. in the end, right? Yeah, he ended up P2. Yep. Um, whereas Charles and his side of the Ferrari house, uh, went with the same strategy that Red Bull did. It just so happened that, uh, the Red Bulls were faster around the track, uh, on intermediates and the traffic, uh, had, I think also played a factor there. Um, they weren't faster, around intermediates, they just pulled off the undercut a lot better. They just timed their pitting in Monaco, which traditionally takes a lot of time. That is crucial to winning there a little bit better because I think Charles actually had fastest lap pretty much going into um, the switch. I could be wrong there. Um, uh, well, I, th- I mean, I think... The thing about Monaco dude, is it's so hard to execute passes and stuff. And then you add the rain and the top, you know, like everybody's like kind of different compounds and there's just a lot of uncertainty. And like Chuck very likely could have won that if it wasn't for that pit fiasco. Yes. And then you have also um, <clears throat> proceeded to stay interesting with the pit fiasco where they're locked in place. And then we have a red flag because Mick Schumacher's car freaking exploded. And I don't mean explode. I mean got ripped in half um, because he because uh, he's not Roman Grosjean, but those are both Haskars. Uh, but he basically hit the barrier, 
spun around and it just hit the perfect spot on the chassis that essentially cut it in half where the engine block and the drivetrain attach. Um, they did a couple safety car laps and then proceeded to red flag the race. That turned into a rolling start of which Checo brilliantly took off at this point because he was P1. Uh, Carlos, uh, he was on the medium tires, uh, as was yeah. Verstappen. Both Red Bull went with medium, whereas both Ferraris ended up going with hards. And Carlos Sainz at the end of the race when talking to uh, the audience afterwards essentially said, David Cothard, obviously, uh, he said that that was his only opportunity was that outlap, and he kind of messed that up because the hards just were not operating fast enough to basically overtake Jekko. Um, which again, I, that for me was awesome to see Checo win because he was more successful all weekend, uh, compared to Verstappen in qualifying and practicing, uh, and to see Checo win in Monaco is just awesome. I love Max, but Checo's like the guy. That's why I like Red Bull. Cause they're just both really cool to me to see him win. And then it was funny because one of the camera guys had, had overheard Checo saying, I signed too early. <laughs> And then now today, this morning, it was confirmed that Checo is signing for Red Bull for 2024. So, just an yeah. awesome slew. Well, no, no, he's signing to Red Bull for 2014. 2014. Did you not see that? You didn't see that? No, 2014. What? It was um, one of the, I can't remember which site, but it was one of the major F1 news. Like They did a typo? Like, yeah, it was like a Twitter, like the Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, like major F1 news outlets that like do all the updates. Uh, their initial post about that was Checo signs for Red Bull in 2014. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and the memes went crazy. It showed Checo at the seat of a DeLorean doing the Back to the Future thing. Like, it... Wow. <laughs> that's wow. great. That it, it, yeah, people, it showed a picture of like Checo and Sebastian Vettel in Red Bull attire. Like it, it was it was fantastic. Nice. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy for Checo. And I, again, I think we talked talked about this where he said he needed to talk because they let Max buy in Spain. And I think in my opinion, I think Checo was more upset that they had to even say anything. I think that's the part that he was worried about was like, don't let these other people see that or something. I I, I don't know, but clearly whatever it was, it was not, it wasn't enough of an issue. Here we are. They're re-signing him. So I think that the way he talked about it was good. Another thing that I, I want to think talk- at this point, if I could just interject here, absolutely, sorry. please do. I think at this at this point, uh, I think Checo enjoys being in a winning car. I think he realizes the position he's in, and so like you have to think he's also thinking how much latitude he, he's willing to give to Red Bull and Christian Horner to be kind of the second seat driver, but also be in the championship winning car of that sort of like you know what Valtteri Bottas was but in my opinion Checo has the bigger balls in this case so he's enjoying life and it definitely shows with uh how Spain unfolded into what Monaco is or was and ended up being so like it's pretty good for him I think he's only going to do better well I mean if you look at the standings right now Checo is six points behind Leclerc and fifteen behind Verstappen. So like, it is anybody's anybody's yeah. championship right now. Um, next close is Russell eighty four, which eighty four is even doable. But um, can we say this about Russell since you brought that up? Uh, seventh consecutive number five finish. That's which... fine. Do what Lando did, but Lando did that last year. But that just goes to show you okay. that that just goes to show you the value. Just goes to show you the value of consistency because I don't think Russell has had a standout finish all season, but he's he's up there. He is. He's huh? uh, he's consistently been better than Lewis, um, who again yeah. got stuck behind Alonzo. At first, he got stuck behind <laughs> Ocon. <laughs> <laughs> tried to take him out. Tried to try to pull a classic Lewis Hamilton move in which he does a basically a, a pit maneuver move on his opponents. See Alex Albon, uh, but uh, and uh, but then he got stuck behind Alonso forever, and it's just hilarious to me. 
Oh, how all I'm, things have changed. All, all I'm saying is that Russell is one point ahead of Sainz. And Sainz has been fighting for and occasionally been on podiums. Right. Whereas Russell has not. And yet Russell's one point ahead of him. So, like, you know, don't... Is key. Sometimes, you know, the tortoise yeah. beats the hare. And, and I think, well, you also have ooh. Sainz didn't finish ooh, a race. That's crazy. We've got Max Verstappen, who's had two DNFs. We've had Leclerc with one DNF. I mean... Exactly. Yeah. This is this is racing, and that's a big deal. you got to, you know, sometimes you got to fight for the points, and any points matter in the long run. Absolutely. Sometimes the tortoise beats the hare. Shout out to all my PA tortoise fam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. Tortoise beats the hare. That's absolutely the case man turtle wins every time no matter how fast you go Wait, which, you'll get there i have a question which which of the turtles is the coolest of the four turtles what what tmnt four turtles oh which one's the coolest oh, leonardo duh oh not duh but okay john I mean, yeah yeah duh mm. yeah duh. Look, when I was a kid, I liked Michelangelo. Mm. As an adult, I'm kind of team. I'm kind of team either Leonardo or Don. Okay. But uh, I'm team Raphael or Don. Raphael's a bitch. No, he's not, no, dude. He's a bitch. No, he's not. Raphael's a bitch. Is he? I don't know. Let I, me, I'm gonna be sad for the sake of being sad. Yeah. <laughs> but he's such a he's such a hard ass. I like it. Right, Donatello is no. definitely my favorite. All his gadgets and stuff, and as and both staffs are cool. So. That was Monaco. You guys got any more to add to it? It was a great race. If you haven't watched it, go watch it, even though we ruined it for you. But that's the internet, folks. Uh, yeah, deal with it. Pretty should much. have watched the should have watched the race with us on Twitter Space. Yes, you should have. Which was great. Uh, we are going. <laughs> we are going Shout out to, to all those uh, who joined us. Baku, uh, which is one of my favorite races, Azerbaijan, another street circuit, but this one involves overtaking. Um. So. Yeah. Well, unlike um, this race, which uh, already has happened, you can go back in time. We're going to talk about some news coming up here uh, Bro. in the car world. Bro. Yes, John. This DeLorean electric car? Yes. I, first off, not a bad looking car. It's not terrible. Not a bad looking car. And and to be fair, I would I, say it is a car. It just looks like a car. It's it's a car. Of all the cars <laughs> I've car. seen, it's one of them. Exactly. Uh, that's my that's my uh, on this. But you know, we've touched on DeLorean. We did an episode about him. I don't think anybody that's a regular listener is surprised to hear that we all pretty much hate DeLorean. <laughs> um, it's not a real car. It, just Here's, a car. It's only only in Hollywood because like let's look at the fact sheet. Like show like DeLorean, the DeLorean car company is the fire festival of cars. <laughs> yes. Yes, a hundred percent. Like hundred like, percent. You know, overpromised, underdelivered a piece of crap, embezzled a bunch of money from the UK government, uh, took advantage of at-risk people suffering a war of terrorism. And eventually got cocaine dealers involved, involved in there because it was in the eighties, wow. and then they got arrested for a cocaine scandal, and they it and now in twenty twenty two are releasing a car with that same name, and and it's Delorean's son, yeah, and it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the movie, hundred percent, because nobody remembers all that shit; they just remember Marty and Doc. Which, do you know what's hilarious is that the nod for this vehicle that they're trying to figure out, the nod to Back to the Future is in there somewhere. So it's an estimated run from 0 to 88 miles per hour, which should take 4.35 seconds. Which is fast. Right. That's Yeah, but it's an EV the, car. The 0 to 60 <laughs> is, is 2.99 if we're going to meet Look, like regular, regular metrics. That's fine. But to me, and it's in its range is projected to exceed 300 miles with a 100 kilowatt battery. But to me, it's just a car. This it doesn't. Yeah. There's nothing. Okay, at, and this is what I'm talking about. The, it's almost the homologation. It's got the gold wing, gold wing okay, doors. Okay, sure. But here's my thing. This is what I'm worried about, kind of in the future with EV in general. And this is the homologation of 
vehicles. They're all kind of going to blur together. Because what what makes the difference between one of my beloved Hondas, your Nissan GTRs, or a Porsche? It's the engine, right? Yeah, we can talk about uh, the... To a degree, yeah, we can so, talk about the chassis and all the other things. There's some truth to that. There's but I think that, that the engine itself and in most cases the engine dedicated the aerodynamic form of the vehicle like putting it in the mid versus the front right and so now we have essentially these ev all-wheel drive cars and they're going to become what i'm surprised by is it's not an suv homogenous (laughs) homogenous indeed so what's really really going to matter on these cars i think Lenny, do you have any thoughts on this car? Narrow. Yeah, I, I think it looks good. It definitely uh, looks better than most of the other EVs coming out. Uh, I would say in comparison to another like sort of grand saloon that I think is in this market, the Lucid, one of the Lucid cars. I saw one of those on the road uh, last week, and I think this looks much better. Okay. I would buy this over that. Mm, the back definitely looks small. I wouldn't say it's a four seater. Like it could definitely, it has four seats. It says it's a sedan. Sure. That's like your GTR. That's a four seater, uh, right? Yeah, but maybe only for like a kid. <laughs> right. Right. Maybe a kid could sit back there. Uh, other than that, yeah, looks, looks pretty good. Just a car. Interior looks the same as like uh, every other EV. So, and I think that's the thing is it's really going to be a matter of what does the interior feel like and the vibes and the exterior and the looks. It's really less about how these things are going to drive in the future, which makes sense. Uh, As an EV seller of bikes, uh, that's kind of how it goes in some ways. And it's about warranties and other little nuances, but still. I think that the interior and the feel of the vehicle makes a difference. So I want to talk about that. Uh, going forward, obviously, we're going to end up with a bunch of iPads and things that don't matter and drivers that aren't paying attention or sleeping while their cars drive them. So let's take it back a little bit. I want to go and learn about cluster gauges and what that means because I know as a kid – when I was hanging out with John and one of his mini cars that he had, probably the Ford show, we'll say it was the Ford show. He had an instrument cluster and I'd never seen this thing. It was like KPI and some sort of yada yada numbers and it was moving a whole bunch. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about cars, right? Especially as my teenage years, at least I know more now. And so I, I wanted to ask them as we work towards me building a dream car, my, you know, vehicle of choice. We've talked about suspension brakes all these things. We really haven't touched on the interior, and so let's start with the gauges. What do I need to know what my car is telling me, and does any of it matter? Well, I don't know. Do you guys, do you guys want me to hot take? Because I got a hot take. Soapbox or hot take? It's a hot take. Fucking send it. Send it. <laughs> uh, one, I think the car you were remembering, Ryan, was my Turbo Arc 7. Mm. But um, That would make sense, too. Yes. Yeah. But... Um, I think gauges are mostly useless. I think they're mostly, not all, mostly a waste of money. Um, A lot of my opinions on gauges was influenced in my experience as a pilot. Because I got a hot take on gauges in the airplane too, which a lot of pilots won't like. Maybe which old. is can I hear that too? Oh, you can you can hear it comes. Um, so maybe like old planes where you had a bunch of steam gauges that you had to manually monitor. Steam I could see gauges? this being that's what they call it. It's just classic dial okay. needle okay. needle letters dials. Sure. Um, but on modern aircraft, all your gauges is what's called a glass cockpit. So it's just a big MFD with everything just displayed. And. You know, the plane that I fly professionally is an MH60 Romeo, which is a full gas co- glass cockpit. Everything is automated, digital, whatever. And, you know, any good pilot knows all of his limits on his aircraft. Hey, the engine oil temperature minimum is this, maximum is this, precautionary range is this. Like, you know all of that stuff memorized. Um, but after flying for over a decade, I kind of realized that, like, 
yes, I still know all those limits because I should, but uh, it's kind of useless information because <laughs> in a glass cockpit aircraft, when you exceed a parameter, it's going to yell at you. You're going to get a yellow or a red enunciator that's going to come up. It's going to say, holy crap, you're a D-bag. Stop it. <laughs> so, so, like, when I'm doing stuff and going fast or sweating and have a lot to do, I don't care that my maximum compressor RPM is 102.2%. Don't care. I just care, is it yellow or is it white? And, oh, it's yellow. Okay, I need to reduce power and make it white. Now it's white. We're going to get home safe. Um and maybe old aircraft didn't do that, but like the system in my aircraft, like there's no other way around it. I can't look at it manually. I have to view that gauge. Um, so all I need to know is like I need to have a general idea and pay attention to the warnings. What you got, Lenny? As a crew chief of older uh, Alpha and Lima U860 models, to what you have flown, John, uh, even the analog aircraft had like a you know, the chiclets. Right. Uh, and they were green, yellow, red. And yep. at the upper crest of the red, the yellow chiclets, it became an audio signal in your, in your headset, Mike. So the audio signal echelon. in your headset. So, you know, when I cut my teeth on this, everybody wanted to turbocharge a car. And if you turbocharge a car, you had to have a turbo gauge, see how much boost you're running. And <laughs> you wanted, and you wanted to have a, AFR gauge, see if you were too lean or too rich. And then after I flew aircraft for three or four years, you know, I kind of went back to my cars and I was like, dude, I'm not looking at this shit. Like when I'm on the track, I'm going around corners and stuff. Like I'm looking outside. I'm looking at my apex. I'm worried about hitting my my freaking my brake markers. And I'm not I looking down at the shit. dash. That's I look down at the dash. Yeah. And so I was like, dude. We're doing this wrong as car enthusiasts. So I shifted all my philosophy mm. in gauges and I got rid. Well, what I did is I went to MFDs, right? So right now in my Skyline, I got one of those. It's not a Hall Tech. It's a Race Tech. Race Tech? Race Tech? Anyway, AIM. AIM is the company that I use. But it's same as a Hall Tech IQ3, right? It's an MFD. All my freaking gauges run to the MFD. And they've all got minimum and maximum parameters. And if it exceeds any of them, it turns red and it beeps at me. And then I slow down and look at it. <laughs> okay. And if the oil pressure if the oil pressure's low, I'm like, holy shit, and I shut the car off immediately. And if it's high, I'm like, eh, not good, but I'll stop at the next gas station. You know what I mean? Like like you make a decision based off what you got. But when I'm getting it, I'm not looking at all that. Gotcha. So in my opinion. Get a good MFD, get a dash, get something that alarms you, get something that turns red, that flashes in your face, that alerts you. And that's, so gauges are less important than you think. Also, gauges are extremely important. Um, <laughs> they're important, you need, they're important when you need them. you're driving and how you're driving it, right? Okay. Yeah. So like we, can talk, we could be talking about a street car or we could be talking about a track car. Or a street track car. That's a little bit, you know, that's a little combination of both. Yeah, I think the so, street, um, street, car, street and track car is kind of where we sit and you guys are the masters of and spend most of your time in those type of vehicles. And if I were to, you know, build a vehicle, I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a car I drive around, but I'm also going to want to take it to the track and do some damage. So here, here's where John and I are kind of interesting because we both drive 32 GTRs. Uh, they're both modified and they're both, uh, you know, more than 500 horsepower. We've both driven it on a track more than once where John has gone a little bit more modern digital, um, with his consolidation of where the, his information lies on the car's vitals. I've also consolidated, but kept it sort of analog. I don't really want to say period correct because I've, I have a modern gauge somewhere in there. Um, but when I had bought the GT at my 32, it had, uh, a plethora of gauges along the, uh, 
primary gauge cluster and on the dash and such. Uh, and I didn't really like the way it was. And after, you know, also being air crew on helicopter and, and having to see, you know, what gauges really mattered and how that is practical or not, you know, I decided to consolidate. But uh, what I did, it just kept what I thought I needed, you know, for the track uh, because of the, you know, GTR is sort of a track duty car sometimes. So like oil pressure is a good one to have, I think. Oil Water pressure, temperature. Oil pressure might be the most crucial gauge, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Water temperature is a auxiliary. It's a supplement. Uh, not necessarily needed. Oil temp, sure. Um Nismo, like in the Nismo package, and I just, I'm pointing this out because I've taken this out of my car, but when I had it, when I bought it, it had a Nismo voltmeter. Um, and it's uh, a replacement for one of the AC vents. So I've taken that out, and it's now an air-fuel ratio gauge. Um, and that's not even needed at all that's a super extra thing i got it for free and that's why it's in the car um <laughs> okay that makes sense uh, then there's a buddy club uh red line tech limit like a red line limit uh light the ones that like flash red that was okay. in the car when i bought it i kept it in there because i figured that's might maybe a handy thing and it turns out to be you know an all right thing when you're at you know running at night or something or you're a little bit more involved than you want to be and you here can't really uh be too bothered to look at your rev limit i don't know but it's turned out pretty well for me but that's all about that's all i have so in terms of everyday usage uh i actually think a shift light is the most useful instrumentation you can have Shift light, um, which, which so, basically yeah. what Lenny was talking about with the buddy club thing. It's 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 a light that you program to flash in your face at a certain RPM. Interesting. So that's almost similar that's to uh, sim racing. Then, I mean, most yeah. of those car, race cars you drive have a shift light. Yeah. So like, because my sim rig has the that goes up to purple, and when it's purple, you're basically chip. Well, and think about it, dude. Think about it. In, in the F1 cars, like when you're looking down at the age cluster and stuff, there's not a lot of information that's no. actually given you. Right. There's nothing. Think right. about that. That's the highest level of racing. And how much actual like gauges or info do those guys look at? Nothing. Nothing. But the there is a warning light. There is a warning light for, <laughs> for every everything. single thing that could go wrong. And it just tells you that's what's wrong. Right. Um, right. So a shift light, it just it flashes just poof, a light flashes in your face when you hit a certain RPM. So like yeah. if your red line is okay. 8,000 RPM, yep. you set your shift light to like 72, 75 ish. So that gives you, you know, cause you got, you have to think you have a mental processing time of like you hit this RPM, right. it flashes your brain processes, you execute the shift. So if it goes off at 72, you're completing the shift by like 76, 77. Uh, yeah. That makes then, absolute not, sense. Yeah. I'm not looking down at all. So you're like seeing the, the color, the, the flash. It's perfect. Just seeing the flash. You right. just flash, shift yeah. gears, flash, yeah. shift gears, flash, shift gears. That's it's it. Perfect. You don't look like. Down. So the rev limit of, of my GTR is 8,400 RPM. The shift light starts flashing at 8,000 RPM. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm familiar with those. Now that you, now you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got that when I literally race on my sim. My my controller flashes colors at me as I'm going up through the revs as F1, GT, even in rally, it does that for me. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, I had a question. <clears throat> really, you guys said that oil pressure is the most important. And mm. we all have kind of like heat maps, essentially, like what our oil heat is. What is the difference in that pressure is going to tell me? And why is that mostly relevant to track versus street? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I, can I, can I? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, there it is. John's there chomping is. at the look, bit over here. I, I knew oh. it would. I knew he'd love that hey, question. Look. Look, I think oil pressure is the most important gauge because here's the deal. Your engine bearings are riding on a film of oil. Okay. Okay. Oil pressure is how much that film is being squeezed. Right? Like how much pressure it's in. Okay. 
No, like you know, you know, like when you when you go on a plane with a water bottle, and then at the end of the flight, oh, when yeah. you open it up, it goes, it goes. <laughs> yep. It's because the air inside expanded, so that that bottle's under pressure, right? That's that's what's happening to your bearings and your engine. Gotcha. Okay. So if that oil goes away, that means that your crankshaft is spinning on the metal engine block, like metal Ooh, on metal. That's no good. <laughs> yeah, your your engine your engine doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So, so like. Being able to see that I have adequate oil pressure or I have no oil pressure, um, it, it, I mean, there's nothing more important than that. There's nothing more important than that, period, because that, that's it. And is that extra diddly, extra diddly <clears throat> if it's uh, you're, you're driving a car with an engine that's prone to oil pump or oil failure? Yep, which the RB26 is. And so this yep. is something that is caused due to basically driving the uh, driving the crap out of the car, essentially, which is why normal uh, street dude, vehicles don't experience it. No, no, no. Any vehicle can experience it. Really? Any vehicle can experience Just it. Any vehicle driving, you could experience this. Bro, if your car oil, oil le- pump failure, absolutely. If your car leaks oil and you don't check it, and the oil level gets so low that the pump starts sucking air and isn't pumping oil through the engine, guess what? You get low oil pressure because yeah. there's no oil getting pumped through the engine but wouldn't you what at that point though wouldn't your your engine temperature basically be through the roof and based off no. that cage no okay not necessarily no. and specifically sometimes specifically, yes sometimes yes because i had an oil in my car oil. that my car's engine heat was just through the fucking roof constantly well no you're talking about water you're talking about water so the, the engine temperature gauge is yes. your water your coolant oh temp. okay Here's another fun one, dude. Here's another fun one, dude. If you run a system out of fluid, the temperature sensor is going to read the temperature of the air. So, Uh, theoretically, if you ran out of oil, the oil temperature sensor could say it was 100 degrees and fine, and you have no oil in the engine. Gotcha. Whatsoever. That's the pressure. Yeah. Pressure is super important. And so what happens is, like, if your oil is breaking down or if it's too hot... Or if you're not using a thick enough oil, your oil pressure could read low. If the engine isn't up to temperature yet and you shouldn't be beating on it, the oil pressure will be high. Um, and if you're losing oil and you're, you know, maybe something happens and a bolt comes loose, uh, your oil pressure will drop to zero. And if you catch it fast enough, you shut the car off. Like maybe you don't wreck your engine, but oil pressure is so important. So that's really so important. An oh shit! So if, if that starts rising. Just, oh, if it rises, if your oil pressure rises, oh. that's something else. Like ah. that's. I don't, so you're talking about lows. Low is is what you're saying, where you just turn the car off. Yeah. Yeah. So to give you an idea, in my helicopter, low oil pressure is a big deal. High oil pressure is the note condition. But look, oil pressure's high. Okay. Gotcha. Because uh, high oil pressure is not going to kill the engine. It might. Cause something to break somehow, but there's no direct failure mechanism from high oil pressure. Okay. okay. Um, coolant temperature, like Lenny mentioned, is pretty important because um, you don't want to overheat your engine. Most stock gauges do good enough at preventing overheating, but here's, I mean, you know, you run too low or you boil your coolant, like the gauge goes up, you're like, shit, I got to shut, turn, shut the car off. Here's what's useful about coolant temperatures if you're in an enthusiast car and you're doing track stuff like my gtr i think i've fixed it since because i've upgraded the fans in it but um there's a situation where my fan clutch went out and when i went to the track if i didn't do a couple cool down laps before pulling into the pits the car wouldn't cool itself sitting still and if i hadn't watched yeah, but if I hadn't watched the coolant gauge and just noticed it creeping up gradually, this isn't like a, oh, shit, right now I got to know. It's just something to kind of monitor. And I noticed my coolant temp would creep up after a track session. And it was because, you know, on the track, you can you can heat soak your engine because you have a lot more thermal energy going into it, and you need to cool it off somehow. And if your cooling system is on the edge, it's not quite, you know, it's not quite up to spec uh, you might have to do some cool down laps or idle it for a while or something like that. So talking about on the edge, <clears throat> you're driving. 
while you're basically operating the vehicle maximum, you're looking outside of the vehicle, you're checking your apexes, you're just mostly intuitively driving unless something's blaring at you. But you want to figure out afterwards what the hell is going on. So what does that look like? Because like, okay, you're basically telling me most of my gauges should just yell at me when they're when they're fucked up. But what if I want to look at some sort of information later? Like I drove the three series BMW and that had a G force meter in it, which is pretty fucking cool. I'd like to look at that data later for giggles, right? Um, what does that look like in your normal everyday tour GT type of car that we're talking well, about? In your normal everyday car, it's not a thing. Right. Um, now, what you're talking about is you're getting into data logging, and now you're getting into hardcore enthusiast realm. That's like, like my like my car, I, Lenny. You don't you don't you're still stock ECU, right? Yeah, yeah. So Lenny doesn't have this capability. Um, okay. I do because I have an AM Infinity. So I pop an SD card in my computer. I go driving, pull a data log stop the car, pull the SD card out, put it in the computer, and I watch every single gauge in my engine, what it did the entire time I was driving. That's so cool. That's data logging. And what I'm saying is, what if, if you're if you're serious about performance, about racing, like if you're serious, you want alerts while you're driving and data logging for analysis. And that's it. Because like, it. You're, you're not going to go down this road at 70 miles per hour and like try and like, get this gauge to do this thing like okay what's it doing right now <laughs> right. Uh, there's no way oh no, you're just gonna pull like, a log go home pull the card out and then look at the file and be like oh gotcha. okay so when rpm when my throttle position sensor goes over 80 percent, this spikes oh okay so what's that doing okay no, well, let me tell you when you're doing <clears throat> 280 kilometers an hour down the front straight of fuji you're not looking at what <laughs> how many americans pulling. is that you're not looking at what, yeah, that's uh, 180. Yeah, when you're doing 100 miles an hour, 180 miles an hour down the Fuji Strait or the Wangan or, or wherever have you, like you're not looking at, oh, look, I'm pulling 19 PSI. Woo me, right? Whoop, whoop, whoop. And so, like, those people who have the A pillar gauge right there with their boost right in their face, like, it, it, cool, it's good to have a boost gauge to like note. But like it doesn't need to be right there. Okay, so the so like my boost gauge is, is like tucked away uh, where the ashtray usually is in GTR. I made a, gotcha. I fabbed up a plate for it. So what I've learned here is that any Lenny needs to get an ECU um, if he's serious about update racing. Update my ECU, excuse me. <laughs> excuse you. Okay, <laughs> update. I have an ECU. Got it's it. Got the the smoking and got a special up- upgrade. To his... in it. Doesn't have that. You know if you know, you know. Look, John said if you're serious about racing, you have data log. You don't. So, okay. So I need an ECU that has data logging. How many laps in a go kart have you done since our last conversation about it? Uh, twenty. So, um, real life, really? No, in a sim. Uh, so. Doesn't count. Yes, it does. IRL, my Sim dude. This racing is not counts. the metaverse. Yeah. Okay. So from the Web three okay. metaverse guys, exactly. this is not the metaverse. Also, F one racers do it in use the sim. Nope. F one guys use sim racing to get better. Number yeah, two. But, uh, then they also go race the real cars. Yeah, I'm so. gonna. I'm, number two, you have uh, a shifting light to tell you when to shift, and then you have warning gauges for number three. That's what I. That's that's what you need to have for gauges. Is that correct? That's. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'll bottom line this, and Lenny, back me up or, or contradict me. Um, no, you have a new-ish STI, cool Camaro, Mustang, Porsche, something that you bought relatively new-ish. You want to put an exhaust and some wheels on it and have some fun, and you're not trying to build a car. It confident about being able to check what your coolant tip is and your oil pressure and you're probably fine cool well i'm glad i learned about that that helps me learn how to be faster than you which is the hint that john gave us for what i wish i was driving uh i'm not going to try to go ahead and snipe what the rules of the games are i tried to do that an episode ago and john got a little butt hurt so john if you take it away what are the rules for this particular game that we're playing this evening 
All right, so what I wish I was driving is our automotive version of 20 questions where these cats try and guess the car I'm thinking of in 20 yes or no questions. Uh, they can only guess the car once. If they guess a car and it's wrong, they lose. Um, and for this particular car, there's a bunch of micro generations that I don't expect you to guess. Micro I don't expect you to guess. Generations. Yeah. What? Now there's a handful of macro generations, and I need you to get in that ballpark. Ballpark. Mm. Oh, boy. So interesting. Okay. All right. You know, like something like a, like if it's a, oh, I don't know. Like if it's, you know, it's a third generation car pre or post facelift, don't care. Third generation's good enough. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. So the big numbers. That's, that's an example. Okay. John, I'm just going to get right into it. Yep. Is this car French? French? No. Is this car Damn. American? Is this car American? Yes. Oh, super damn it. We're not going to get this. No, what? No. <laughs> is this car... Hold on, wait. Hey, John, is this car a Ford? Is this car a Ford? Yes. Okay. Is this car supercharged? Super, no. Is it a V8? It is indeed a V8. Hey, Lenny. Don't be like Lewis Hamilton and just want to retire and put your fucking save your engine, okay? <laughs> Keep the game going. Heart of a warrior. Was this car built in the eighties? Was this generation built in the eighties? <laughs> I get what you're we're talking Clar about the actual Clar car. No. Clarify. No. Hmm. Hey, John, is this car a truck? Truck, no. Okay. Very astute get guess. Hit me. I just wanted to eliminate a whole shit ton of one guess of truck. <laughs> mm. Wait, John said it was V eight, right? Yeah, V eight. Yep. Ford. Non supercharged. V eight, not supercharged. Hmm. But it's still faster than John, you. was this... What's this? Rear-wheel drive? Rear-wheel drive, indeed. Hmm. Does... Hey, Lenny, <laughs> Lenny does Ford do mid-engine? Only once. Okay. Plus a V8. But it didn't have a bunch of micro generations. It didn't have a bunch of macro generations. What I'm guessing is that this particular one is a Mustang because it's that, got a bunch too. of both. Yeah, that's what I was trying to. That's why I just went with America for. <laughs> I feel like that's also like really obvious. John's not the obvious kind of guy. No, he's getting cheeky with it. I mean, we could ask it and burn the question, see if it's a Mustang. That's I would yeah, go for it. John, is this a Mustang? Mustang? Nope. Oh, Jesus. John hates us. All right. Um, John, is this an escort? Escort? No. <clears throat> escort never had a V8. Yeah, I feel like I just, well, I just wanted to take a shot in the dark. Is this some sort of cheeky muscle car? No. Maybe? Like a 70s? Or 60s? Or V8s, probably naturally aspirated with a bunch of micro generations, but also macro trains over time. Considering what his current baby is, I would think he'd have something to compete with that generationally. So I want to guess 60s or 70s. And it's I a could... Ford... We could do multi-choice here because we're on question 11. I mean, in my opinion, you yeah. can always do multi-choice, but... Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you could you could go ahead if you got something. Is this car uh, gen built generationally in the 60s or 70s? 
60s or 70s? Yes. <laughs> Lenny's like, no. <laughs> it's not, no, no, that was not a no. That was more of a compl- contemplation thing. Okay, okay. You just look like you were just deep in it there. Honestly, that's a little better. Uh, as long as we stray away from like 80s Fords, I think we're all right. Well, we know it's 60s or 70s. Yeah, I know. So, and it's not a Mustang. So, what else? Is, and it's not a truck. So, what, the, what else does Ford have? Well, I mean, all kinds of shit. Are you kidding? That was like the heyday. But anyway. I don't know. I don't know these things. I'm the guy that just asks good questions and get a lot of yes. All right. Somehow with superpowers of intuitive skill. But I don't know the, the John, catalog. Did this car have a fastback option? <laughs> what is a fastback? Okay, look, look, look. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Here's... I don't want this answer to confuse you. God, not this again. Oh, so goodness. did it have an option for, like, a different back? No. This is a micro-gen thing. Like, there was not a fastback option, but I don't want you to necessarily think that means it was not some kind of fastback. Does that mean you know what I'm coming from? Like, that you couldn't... That, that, can there I, wasn't can something I you rephrase could the question, then? Sure. In the macro generation of this car, was it a fastback? I don't think that really applies to this car. I'm going to call that kind of combo of questions just one. Yeah. So, a fastback. Is an automotive styling feature defined by the rear of the car having a single slope from the roof to the tail? I mean, by that definition, sure. But like... Camback is a style of fastback style or known as a K-tail. That's that's all the information I'm going to divulge for question 12. Yeah. Yeah. I'll accept that. It's it's given us some information. Okay. Mm. Um, what other very popular models of Ford were there in the sixties and seventies? I don't know. That was not Thunderbird. So many. Lenny, you're like not a hardcore American guy comparative to John, where John kind of geeks out about the American stuff a lot, huh? Hey, man. No, it's just I... like the specifics I don't know a lot about. I'll, I'll be honest with you there, but like, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot, right? Yeah. Um... It's fast, though. That's what's fast. No, it's faster than you. What the hell does that even mean? It's faster than a human. Duh. (laughs) I mean, fuck. That could be a Ford Taurus or a fucking Escort or a fucking. Well, it's not an Escort because I asked John if it was an Escort already. Oh, yeah. Hmm. It's a V8. It is a V8. To rural drive. Yep. So that leaves... It's not like, a fastback. That leaves, like, Ford's entire... It's not a fastback, but it's not not a fastback. God damn it. Well, it can't be the Escort that I'm thinking of, which was a fastback, so that kind of eliminates all of that. But did not have a V8 ever? Man, I don't know. Yeah, and you hey, guys got. Hey, John, is the, this a, is this a coupe? By coupe, you mean a two seat, two door car? Yes. Yes. This is some. That's a big one. Ford in this time period. Yeah, because they did a lot of sedans. Like coupes. they did a lot of. They did a lot of. Four-seaters. Not, not coupes. Not two-seat, yeah. two-door. V8, rear-wheel drive, naturally aspirated. 
Come on, Lenny. I'm getting. I'm asking the questions that get the get get the whys, get the yeses here. You gotta you gotta you gotta pull clutch here, bud. I'm being the Marcus Smart to the Jason Tatum. All right, I need you to pull up and not have the Heat stomp us. Celtics still go into the finals, boys. Let's go. John, um, was Bird in the model name of this car? Was Bird? Oh, like the word bird? Bird. The bird, bird, bird. bird. Words, the, word, the bird, no. the, the bird, bird. Family bird, guy is not funny bird. and never was. No. No. All right, so now I know if I pick any car from Ford's inventory yeah, besides dude, the Mustang Escort s- or Thunderbird, I would smoke. Dumb. You know, I could do a Galaxy. Yeah. I could do. <laughs> Jeez. All right, it's not a Galaxy. It's not a Galaxy, Lenny. We know it's not a Galaxy. Well, Galaxy was never a coupe anyway. Right. Well, you do a Gran Torino. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know. Is it Corsair? I'm waving the white flag on this one. I have no idea. You got one more question. John's got me. You got one more question. John's got me. Hey, 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 hey. You guys are stumping yourselves because this car is in y'all's wheelhouse, especially Lenny as a enthusiast this is it's not in obscure. my wheelhouse i mean what we're into what we're all into like yeah yeah it's, it's in y'all's wheelhouse that this, is, this is not an outside is this like a gt this is not an outside guess is this a gt car of some sort it's got to be a fucking like a john says things like galaxy and i think okay starliner but those are not like no no, no. Really i just said i could say so it's galaxy. a ford coupe from the 60s and 70s which means yeah it's in my wheelhouse of something i'd look at and when we know what it is i'm gonna look at it and probably go like oh yeah is what john's saying john so uh, john okay oh, wait because there could only be one other thing that would be in my our wheelhouse that that would that would be the hint, right? So like one other thing two. that could be in our wheelhouse. Wait, I'd say there's two uh, things that are in your wheelhouse you have not thought about. Is 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 there like some sort of snake variation within the name of the car? This car, snake, no. Hmm. But you're Yo. but you you are dancing with it, baby. You snake? are dancing with it. No, but dancing. Okay. Um, uh, what other subcompact coupe, two door? <sighs> Fuck. What is? What's the name of? What's the name of that? It, it's the fucking Ford. Uh, what? Yeah. The uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's the shitty Ford fucking muscle car not muscle car <laughs> 70s, that 70s show? T- uh, Pinto. Does that have a V8? Uh, I don't know. See, Ryan, you're trying to go like I'm trying to stump you guys, and I kept this on brand. <sighs> I really don't know. Look, all right, I'm going to give you this is it. This is the last one. <laughs> Okay. One, there is a meta. Oh no. Two. It's an open. Two. Two. What in the sixties and seventies was Ford doing special and distinct from other muscle car manufacturers? Well, they were racing Ferrari. GM and Chrysler do not have this kind of snake is Shelby. Shelby's are snakes. But Shelby's are Mustangs, so what else did Shelby touch besides the Mustang? The G240. And it's meta because we just talked about GT last week. It's in our wheelhouse. You did ask if it was a mid-engine car. Yeah. No, I didn't. I asked you. I didn't ask John. I asked you, not John. Oh, why don't you ask John that? Hey, John, is this a mid-engine car? And that would be, what, what number? Uh, mid-engine car, yes. God, dude, see, I'm, dude, I'm on it. I have been on it the whole fucking time, dude. 
I'm the fucking dude. I'm a legend. I don't even know shit about cars. I just know how to ask good fucking questions, folks. Oh man, John, did this car race Le Mans? Did this car race Le Mans? Got it. It's yes. it's done. Yes, it We're done. We're out, folks. We got it. See, you wanted to wave that white white flag. You gave up early again. This is what's gonna happen, folks. I'm gonna meet him on the cart track, and he's gonna be waving that white flag when I'm fucking two laps ahead of him. And I'm like, cool, game over, GG, folks. Well, uh, then I beat you. Probably. <laughs> exactly. I'll go. <laughs> what car is it, Lenny? Come on, shoot the J. Uh, John, is this the Ford GT40? It is indeed the Ford GT40. Yes. Nice work. So look. You? So look. Here's the thing. What? The original generation of the Ford GT40, you had the Mark One, the Mark Two, II, the Three, the Four. Oh. Um, yeah. And I was not going to do that to y'all. Um, the car that most people remember is the Mark One. Yep. Um, yep. And then also you had the Ford GT revival in the 2000s, and you got the current Ford GT. And so I was just keeping those distinct. And I wasn't going to make you say, oh, it's a GT40 Mark II. Um, so look, here. Okay. I see. I yeah. see. So Lenny, when I probed I you with the mid-engine I, I I probed you with the mid-engine question and you're like, there's only one. And like you could have just followed oh, I should have just asked. Yeah, John. that could have so, been that could have been the game right there, right there. But like I overthought that. You did. Dude, when oh, you guys said overthought that. When you guys said is it a mid-engine, the poker face I Dude, was making. You was, had to a poker like, face so hard because I didn't want to ask you, I wanted to ask Lenny, and it was like, Oh, there's only one. There's no way it's gonna be a one off and no i had nailed it right there dude dang it i should have just asked john so here's here's the thing here's the thing guys here's the thing guys harold shelby like if y'all if y'all haven't watched ford versus ferrari do it you need to one. do it um do it and uh there's a book about the same story called go like hell uh which is oh. at least as good as the movie i need to read that yeah you do okay but uh so Carroll Shelby got his start modifying British cars with American V8s, and that's what the Shelby Cobra was. And then Ford was like, yo, dog, you're pretty cool. And they commissioned him to do their racing program. And so he turned the Cobra into a coupe, and that's the Daytona Coupe. And then he was selling modified Mustangs under agreement with Ford. And then he developed their high-end prototype-level race car that was the GT40. So when you oh. said... Does this have a snake in the name? God, that's Shelby. Like... <laughs> Shelby built the GT40. That's, like, yep, he did. Yep. Um, and the meta here is that, you know, the Daytona Coupe, the GT40, these are all legendary American sports car race, sport race cars uh, that are common on the replica market. And I recently bought a 1963 Corvette Grand Sport there replica. It there it is. Which uh, we'll talk about that more on the show later. But yeah, I, I bought a something fucking nuts um and, and see i knew that too going into this when i was like wait a second this is god that's why i asked the 60s and 70s question and when you said the snake i dialed it in i was like oh it's got to be with shelby what does shelby do beside because look folks that's that's been a game of what i wish i, I was just, driving i just i just i just want to oh man that pump was the brakes here john you bought a c2 grand sport is that correct I mean, technically, there's only three Grand Sports in the world, and they're $6 million cars, so I bought a C2 Grand Sport replica. It's still pretty sick. Wow. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about that. In it? It's got a what? You said it's got a 502 in it? It has a 502, which is an 8.2 liter V8. God, uh, it's huge. Huge. It's rated, rated at 500 horsepower and 580 foot-pounds of torque, and Beautiful. the car weighs about 2,500 pounds. <laughs> Beautiful. Ooh. So we're going to talk more about that once you actually have driven the vehicle and everything. I mean, I'm so hyped. Yeah, so it's car. it's being delivered like it's looking like tomorrow tomorrow or Thursday. Sick. And once I actually drive it, I think I want to do an episode on like the history of the Corvette Grand Sport. Let's do it. Because it's a whole, yeah. the whole story. And I just um, want to add to this GT40 thing that I got into this whole motorsport thing uh, partially entirely because of Ford versus Ferrari. Um, the two things that got me into it was <laughs> actually what we've talked about this episode, F1, I watched drive to survive and really got into that. I reached out to John and then watched Ford versus Ferrari. And that was it. That was like 
that was the game changer for me. I was like, this is friggin' amazing. And I and then I got into sim racing and I haven't looked back. Um, so good call out there, John, because that's just such an awesome, awesome it's show. A great. Good. Uh, you it's have a movie. to watch it. Yeah. Oh, it's a movie it's really that people actually, yeah. like. People that don't like cars will yeah. still enjoy that movie. Absolutely, it's it's so good. Um, well, let us know your thoughts if you've watched Ford versus Ferrari. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Zero F Podcast. And uh, maybe we'll get a picture of a tease of John's new vehicle coming out. Should be pretty exciting. Uh, no F1 this weekend, so we won't be talking about it next week. But we will be talking about me building a car now that I've learned a whole bunch of things uh, over almost an entire year of being on this podcast and hanging out with two car nerds. So tune into that. Tell me what I should or shouldn't put in the car. Uh, let us know on Instagram and Twitter. Again, Zero Left Podcast. You've been joined by me, Ryan. Uh, I am gracious enough to be here with two very awesome car guys, Lenny. Sonara. And John. More fun to come. Exactly. We'll catch you next time. Keep it pinned.